Welcome. Welcome. To the Sometimes Readers. Plural or singular? I never know. Uh, wait, sometimes or readers? Readers. Sometimes I'm pretty confident with. Yeah, sometime reader. Be sometime reader. Welcome to, this is Steve Brule. <laughs> Welcome to Sometimes Reader. Oh. Well, what what, this is the this is the sometimes readers because we our, are two people mostly, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's sometimes the the we show. read. Yeah, Somet- uh, yeah, only for this show though. That's right. Never outside. This is of our the show. our companion reading series to uh, King Me Proper, where we are, of course, watching and reviewing every single Stephen King adaptation. It's taken most of my adult life, and still we're not done. It's true. It has taken but, most of your adult life. But you have to admit, spirits are high. <laughs> yep. Morale yep. is good right now. So um, we, you know, we, we've we been watching chronologically all these things, all these adaptations. But there's one adaptation most near and dear to our hearts. In fact, the impetus for the podcast itself, we've talked about the movie once before. It's Silver Bullet, 1985's Silver Bullet? Six. A6, okay. No, you're right, it's 85. It's 85. It is 85? All right, cool. Um, That, of course, is a... That's uh, a was it? A, that's a Dino De Laurentiis joint, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and you yeah. can really see it in that that famously shitty wolf costume. Fucking, I mean, give me all the Dino De Laurentiis you got, please. Isn't it interesting how Stephen King movie adaptations have a terrible track record with like dog costumes that look like bears? Yes. Are you thinking of something? this and Cujo? I was thinking of The Shining. And The Shining. Cujo's a real dog. Cujo, I mean, the dog is a real dog, but some of those men in dog costumes. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess this is part of the rich tradition. But um, that film, of course, is based on a novella, n- which is a novel for girls. <laughs> Right, right. That's yeah, it's a, my it's understanding. A novel specifically uh, made so girls could read it. That's right. Which which means in a language they it. would understand. Yes, you guessed it. Lots of pictures. Um, so <laughs> this is actually no. wait, it, uh, in the in the movie. So today we're talking about the book. Uh, this coming Friday we're going to be rehashing the movie, right? Mm-hmm. But in the movie it's actually called a novelette. It's not even a novella. That's true. That's true. Which is, of course, a novel Which is even for a, little kids. Yeah, for little girls. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Stupid. It's very well. Dumb. Here's the cover too. I figure I'll throw that up on the screen. Um, so yeah, this is Rob and I. You know, we've read a couple full-on novels, and we're like, our eyes hurt, our brains hurt. <clears throat> give us something. Give us something. With pictures that itself was adapted from a calendar? <laughs> Are you aware of this? Uh, I, 
I think I knew I may have known that at one point, but I, I definitely forgot that. Um, That's right. So, yes, it was. <laughs> it was like a Bernie Wrightson calendar, and Stephen King was supposed to write just like little vignettes to accompany the. Right, like, I'm sure they were supposed to be like for each one month. paragraph under the the illustration or something. Yes, yeah. and whoever whoever came into the room with the idea that we could convince Stephen King to write a single paragraph, yeah, should should have been not only fired but executed. Yeah, I mean, they asked him to write a single paragraph in 1983 when he is like, I only eat uh, like shitty beer and cocaine. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to give you a novelette instead. What if we do that? Have there yeah. ever been any calendar novelettes? Can we? <laughs> a page a day? Yeah. Oh, my I, God. <laughs> that's insane. The, the, <laughs> no, the I'm saying, oh, my God, the infestation in your fucking. Yeah, it's your I'm lousy with right cats now. right now. Well, I don't know what, it what is. The, what's their problem? <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Have they eaten? Have you fed them in the past few yeah. days? Yeah. yeah that, I think that's the problem is that I've been. I fed oh, them. feeding them too much. They've grown a cost. They've become addicted to food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like a Morton Joe. A Morton Joe. Exactly. Like, do not Morton become Rob. addicted to this food. <laughs> <laughs> you will grow to resent its absence. Uh, so yeah, we are. We read a calendar. We're going to talk about that calendar, uh, as we mentioned. I, yeah. Illust- oh, what I got to say? say though, reading a calendar much more my speed as far hey. as reading. <laughs> You know what the first thing I noticed was and smiled upon was What's that? That's some big print, baby. Oh, it's the print is big and it is all spaced out on the page. I, I you open up this book and you're like, "Oh man, that print is so big." And then like then all most of the pictures, like the you have full page pictures, right? Yeah. Illustrations. Then you, you flip through a little bit more. Then there are double page illustrations. Yeah. Then some sometimes there's just like a blank page in there. I'm like, wow, this is huh, okay. What yeah. is this? 125 pages, and it's actually like 40 pages. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's great. I also like that each section of the book ends with a little black and white drawing, oh, like I, a palette cleanser. It's like, yeah, look, we know we put we just put you through the ringer. Having yeah, just, you read 250 ugh. words. Just like a little, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, the, the, I love those little like black and white sketches at the end. Just like something, a little something. You know, it's not finished. It's just like a little sketch. A little, mm-hmm. little something to send you off with, you know? That's right. That's right. Some chilling shit to <laughs> close out the chapter. <laughs> so, as we mentioned, Bernie Wrightson did all the illustrations for these. We get a nice mix of like the kinds of things we just described, like the little little drawings right at the end, which are similar to the splash pages, which are in black and white. Also, that look like it's like heavy line work. It looks like um, I would say almost like a wood carving. You know what I mean? Sure. The the amount of let me pull let me pull some some stuff up. How's that sound? Yeah, I, mean, I see what you're saying. Like the, I think most of uh, Bernie Wrightson's artwork, outside of this, even right. So I think I want to say he was one of the guys who came up with. Yeah, he was a co-creator of Swamp Thing. Okay, um, there you go. 
he his his art style is very um you know it, it it's it lends itself to uh just black and white like he was like you know even though he cr- helped create swamp thing which was a comic in color and whatnot one of his other big uh you know adaptations or comics or whatever was this adaptation he did of Frankenstein and it was all in black and white it's all you know drawn like this mm-hmm. and it's it's beautiful it's amazing look up Bernie Wrightson's artwork it's it's gorgeous you want me to do it right now yeah do it right now <laughs> all right images google.com no nah, the guy Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein what, he, uh, let's see one what else fucking because I myself have not read this so you oh, have wow. read oh the uh, uh, the it, Frankenstein stuff yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's it's gorgeous. I mean, look at all the fucking detail in the back too, like all the lab, like the beakers yeah. and all of that shit. And then, oh god, it's and like the a, fact that it's all done in lines is like yeah. so impressive, and like feels like a thing he probably had to kind of lean on and really hone for the medium, right? Right, because like. The I don't know I I know printing technology has definitely like gotten more sophisticated over time, mm-hmm. and at the you know probably out of necessity it was like yeah you just got to do like little lines or the ink's gonna run. Yeah, I think he also like all that shading stuff is look it looks amazing. Yeah, um, he also did the artwork for the Creep Show uh, comic, and based on um, you know the movie like all of that stuff mm. that goes with it um just really just, just a fantastic artist um, yeah and i think like you know drawing drawing like a frankenstein and drawing this it there's a through line there of just like sort of like this style really lending itself to like gothic mm. types of horror yeah um especially like god like winter in new yeah. england like oh, this man. is so the story is um, structured into 12 sections, one for each month. It was, after all, based on a calendar. Right. And so, like, yeah, what we're looking at here on the screen right now is January. It's like you see a covered bridge. You see just, like, rocks going down into just, like, total darkness and snow on everything. And, yeah. I, I guess, like, reading this and, like, looking at the artwork and stuff, but, like, really reading this story and, like, how... You know, you're reading, like, the chapter on, like, April, and they're talking about, like, the last snow and, uh, you know, the werewolf, like, whatever, moving through or leaving prints or something like that. And I be- I, I became very nostalgic for uh, real winters where we got oh, yeah. snow. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be something? It would be. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, there's, like, one description in here that I kind of want to pull up. It's like a description specifically of like a window mm-hmm. um, as as being frosted over. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Um, which chapter? Here we go. On this. Th- this is um, the set. Uh, the Stella Randolph, which I think it's February. Uh, February. Yeah. OK. But I mean, fucking this. He describes he he's like King is like going to town on the weather descriptions and he's really yeah. just like so locked in here. Like, I love this. 
Yeah. Uh, this night of dreams with the moon, a bitter blue flood through frost traced windows. My God. I, I know. That is, I, that is like post snort, just like first thing out of. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about all this snow that I love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, uh, so I, uh, this book, I think I read this when I was like much, much younger, maybe like 10 or 11. This, mm. uh, but I really, I, don't remember much from it except for I didn't remember much from this except for the artwork. The artwork, all of these images, all these illustrations, are like completely burned into my mind. Oh yeah, um, specifically. So I I hadn't read it, but a friend of mine had a copy of this. Yeah, and the I specifically remember him showing me. Weirdly, um, the kite, like Brady, like the yeah. werewolf with the kite, uh-huh. and um, the sheriff getting his face ripped off. The sheriff that is getting like, his face ripped off is for it. That's like the one image that, like, my my the one image that I can just bring up at any moment without thinking. Really, it's just it's, like it's perfect. It's, it's so really good. Yeah. I'm trying to find it right now. Yeah, here we go. I'm gonna gonna throw it up on the screen. Yeah, it is like. I mean, if you could put this on the cover of a book <laughs> without upsetting people, I mean, it's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's We're so, just taking a moment to admire. I mean, you look at that image and it's like, it's very, it's simple and it captures a moment right when like, it's a split second when everything is going bad. A second yeah. earlier, it was fine, and now your your face is being ripped off by this beast. You know, totally. Like, yeah. It, I also think. Uh, <laughs> I also think the placement of these illustrations, like within the story, is yeah. very interesting because, like, pretty much every time it precedes whatever's about to happen. Yes. Right. So you just like you get this sense of dread. It's a weird effect where, like, you would think it's sort of, it would like undercut it, but you're like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You kind of know what's happening. It, it is more suspenseful somehow to see the image before you even get to the the description of what's happening, <laughs> right? Before anything really bad starts happening, you see these these illustrations, and you're like, oh god. So, as soon as I turn this page, like it. it Every chapter is broken up by month, but then within the chapter, it's almost like, okay, the first like page or two, everything is going fine. And then you see the <laughs> and then, illustration boom. and you're like, I know as soon as I turn this page, everything <laughs> is going to go bad. <laughs> yeah. Which like, I, I guess like in terms of just like putting the reader in the story, it makes a lot of sense to do it that way where it's just like, you know, small town, false yeah. sense of security kind of thing. Totally. And like, you know, the, the, it's the story sort of like charts the town becoming increasingly like paranoid about this. Mm-hmm. So like those moments of quiet, that's when you should feel the most dread. Cause right. it's like, you know, what's about to happen. They know what's about to happen. So you know, what's about to happen. Right. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Um, are we gonna do? Are we gonna go like month by month? Is that how you want to do it? Let's, 
Yeah, let's let's be calendar girls. Let's do it. Great. Yeah. January. Okay, should we play that song? Which one? Calendar girl. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just throw yeah. that in as bed music. Get the episode pulled. Um, yeah. So the yeah the book starts the way the movie starts. <laughs> Yeah, with with a just a man in search of Rango. <laughs> There's no reference to Rango in the book. There is no reference to Rango, uh, but we do have uh, like you know a railroad uh, maintenance worker, a flagman, a flagman drinking. Yeah, you know, just a townie on the job. That's right. Middle Playing of the night, solitaire. Till dawn. Yeah, and he and he hears a, a scratching at his door. Love it. I, I, just the mm. setup of that is just so good. <laughs> like, oh yeah. To, the cold open of like, oh, this guy, he's just uh, chilling in. What do they call it? It's like a railroad shack or something. Um. And yeah, the guy. So this is Arnie uh, Westrom. Um, but, you know. Classic, uh, you know, just guy, townie, uh, loves his Rango, um, and then he. We are left. He to, hears, we're left to infer that as the reader, but it's pretty clear sure. he loves Rango. He does. Um, <laughs> uh, here's a noise coming from outside his shack, and fucking. And it it turns out to be a, a goddamn werewolf, and it, <laughs> that's true. And it busts in and just eviscerates Arnie. Just yeah, it's really real. again like you know we'll we'll talk it at length about oh that ain't no werewolf. No, that's a dumb little cat. It is a dumb little cat, and <laughs> she just loves <laughs> the podcast form, and she wants to hang out for it. <laughs> Yeah, he and never like does this unless I'm podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll talk about the movie at length, but it's the swiftness with which Arnie goes out is reminiscent of the movie. Although this Arnie puts up a bit of a fight, he at least gets one swing in with a pickaxe, as we can see here. Yeah, he just he doesn't get his head just like lopped off immediately. Yeah, although I do like that too. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, I think. I think both versions of this, the story and the the movie, are equally uh, great. Yeah, each in their own way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some like right off the bat. I mean, there's some classic king kingery. Um, <laughs> kingery. <laughs> kingery. Not to be confused with. Never mind. There's a guy on the Phillies in the Phillies farm system named Scott oh, okay. Kingery. But anyway, um, the, you know, we get like the, that old familiar feeling of someone f- experiencing dread, like instinctual dread, like Arnie, right. so the, the line is something like he felt a cold finger on his pulse or something like that. It's just like, he knows some shit's about to go down bit of that bit of that good stuff. Um, and yeah, just like. I love I love how this section ends just like Colin is shot. Yeah. Again, this is sort of like the beauty of this being adapted from a calendar is like 
it's not really playing by novel rules too much, you know? Like, right. Right? Like, so the concluding paragraph here is, Outside, its tracks begin to fill up with snow, and the shriek of the wind seems savage with pleasure. There is nothing of God or light in that heartless sound. It is all black winter and dark ice. The cycle of the werewolf has begun. Ooh, baby. Yes, please. I like it. Let's go. Let's go. See, Let's I, fucking go. You know, I, um, you know, we've been, uh, it feels like the last like four months have been dedicated to, uh, vampires on our show here. Right? Yeah. Like various kinds, energy vampires and, and what have you, things like that. And I, I gotta tell you, I think werewolves might be my favorite, like classic monster you know they're cool they're like okay so i've got my my social commentary angle on how this all fits in with with like the salem's lot of it all i think it i think just timing wise it is interesting they both Mm -hmm. like i don't know if i have a preference one over the other okay but i think they each speak to a different anxiety right obviously yes but in in how it's presented here, like through the you know through the king lens, like the the vampire stuff, I, I'm thinking of like Salem's Lot specifically, but just like the sort of like slow degradation of a community by like yeah. you know fucking financial capital, uh-huh. and then here you get more like it feels more cultural than material where it's like. This so the werewolf spoiler alert is a Baptist um, priest or whatever who has convinced yeah, yeah, himself, yep. yeah, Reverend, who has convinced himself that like they're the real animals, yeah. And it's like <laughs> you get that kind of inversion, uh, right? Yep. There's like this, uh, and I also think it's just like more in keeping with the time it's written, right? Like this is like '85 or early '80s, probably. So we're like getting into. The swing, yeah. of, you know, the 80s swing of things just like where it, it, it shifts from needing to like it shifts from the need to like sort of like leech off of people mm-hmm. as a collective, right. uh, the working class to just like fully putting them in the meat grinder and oh, sucking yeah. the meat off their bones. Totally. You know? Um, yeah. The So this the story, the book or the, the novelette, was originally published in 1983. Um, there you go. So 40 years ago. And, yeah, I... So, I don't know, to me, this feels like... Uh, this feels like a personal story. This is, I don't know, reading those early sort of King, like the first like 10 or 15 years of King's books, his like the writing there... They're, they all feel so incredibly personal uh, as far yeah. as like his addiction and whatever. Yeah. I mean, right in this one, there's a reference to like um, Reverend Lowe after, yeah, after a kill, he feels like the satisfaction. Yeah. Here we go. That alcoholic sense of well being. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, the whole idea of like, okay, Reverend Lowe in this book, he, he's the monster. But he doesn't. Uh, he wasn't bit by a werewolf. He wasn't cursed by a gypsy. He says it was just like 
you know, it could have been maybe like one day he picked some flowers and that like looked unique and they just like they they died in his hand and maybe that was it, but he really doesn't know. And the whole idea of like, I don't know where this came from. And also, uh, you know, when when the moon is full, I turn into a werewolf and he doesn't even know about it. Like, yeah, it's just something that happens to him. And then he wakes up and he's like, uh, like it takes him months to even figure that out that totally. he's the one doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like I did kind of, it's a, in that way, it's a very different story from the movie, right? Like yes. in the movie, it's pretty well established that the Reverend knows exactly what he's doing and is doing it out of a sense of righteousness. Like the people right. he targets are all like in his estimation, like not worth living. They yeah, don't sinners life. and whatever. Yeah, but here, um, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's just, a, it's alcoholism, baby. Yeah, like, the idea that he just, like, he wakes up and he's like, oh, I don't know what I did last night, but somebody else is dead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. that's, uh, I don't know, it's great. So, uh, so we have Arnie, uh, that was January. Moving on to February. The other thing I love about this is that, like, most of the, um, uh, the months, right? The they the full moon falls on like whatever like day revolves, you know, the month revolves around. So like mm-hmm. February is Valentine's Day. So we have um what's the the woman's name here? Hold on. Uh Stella Randolph who she just wants love. Like this <laughs> Oh, but guess what? She can't have it because she's fat. <laughs> That's, yeah. That all right, yeah. I mean, we know. Look, we know this. Uh, Stephen King, he's got his hangups. One of them is fat women. He seems pretty. I gotta be honest, pretty into them. Yeah, for how I much mean, he like talks about them, and yeah, the fact that like the way that she dies is like incredibly sort of like laden with sexual undertones. Yes. Um, and I'm just thinking about like, I feel like in the, in Salem's lot too, like, I forget which character is written as being fat, but there's so much about just like heavy bosoms and that kind of shit. Totally. The man, the man's got it bad. He's down bad. Yeah. He's down bad. He likes, (laughs) you know, he likes his women dummy thick, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And like, buddy, I I don't blame you. Yeah. Get get in line, brother. (laughs) Yeah. But like, um, also go yeah. easy, you know. It's a whatever. I think I, if I had to guess, everybody yeah. in the in the seventies and eighties, eighties especially, was talking like this. Oh, you know, sure. And unfortunately, he is a a populist author, so you know, I don't think it. I don't think it was any skin off his back to be like, oh, the fat woman was alone due to being fat. But right, sure. I do also think he's just like, yeah. He's writing. Yeah, I mean, listen, this book, all of King's work is very of its time. All of yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So 1980, you know, he probably wrote it in like 82 or maybe over the course of like a weekend in 83 or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's uh, 1982, 83. It's a different time completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but hey, speaking of down bad. Yeah. This Stella Randolph is down so bad. She's she writing love letters to herself, Valentine's, 
20 of them yeah. from celebrities. Um, ranging from <laughs> Paul no, Newman I, I and Robert this. Redford to Ace Freely. I know. <laughs> wow. I Could lo- you imagine? I, I like that it even won from Ace Freely of the rock group Kiss. As if, like, well, maybe everybody doesn't know who Ace Freely is, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's funny to imagine. Yeah. Um, um, also, Stella, honey, you could do better. Oh, totally. You do way better. <laughs> way Ace better. Freely, come on. Uh, I so this this chapter all like kind of plays out like a romance novel, As, and like especially the the illustration from February looks like a horror version of a romance novel cover totally um, and it's yeah man, to the to man, the extent love it <laughs> it's really good um it's it's romantic like so I, i'm trying to think of how it is it's like basically the wolf and stella embraced in like what would normally be like a, a lover's sort of like embrace the right. wolf snout like, like going to her neck and the yes. look on her face is like it's anguish, but it could easily be mistaken for, you know, ecstasy, ex- ecstasy. And my favorite detail of this, the wolf's hand um, is like clutching her hair like he's running his fingers through her hair. Yeah. Almost tenderly. Yes. It's pretty. That's good. what I mean. Like this whole this shot and even her with her hand is on the, the wolf's head as well. And yeah. it doesn't seem like, uh, right. Like it, it's either, uh, ecstasy or, uh, agony that she's in, but we can't, you know, there's no way to tell it's, it's, uh, ambiguous, right. Or, yes. uh, it could go either way with that. I love it. Right. And uh, it really, you know, it's reflecting the writing, like basically right. up until the moment she's murdered, it, it's sort of yes. like her playing out this fantasy of, finally falling in love. Right. She's sitting there and she's like, she wants love. She can't, um, you know, nobody, there are no men that love her. And there are no good guys left in Tarker's mill. No, but they, it, they're either married or werewolves, (laughs) (laughs) but she, it is, uh, I don't know. It, it feels like, uh, I don't know. You know, she, she, the, she wants, she wants the love so badly. She wants to be loved so badly that when she hears like a, a tapping at her window, she's like, am I dreaming? Is this like my Prince Charming who is like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like Romeo coming to my, uh, my balcony kind of a thing? Like what, what is this? And then she like, she goes to the window, she doesn't see anything. And then, you know. Uh, you know, her hopes are slightly dashed and then the window <laughs> slightly, like, slightly oh. <laughs> for a moment. And then her window like blows open and the werewolf comes like bounding in. Um, and even this, like the way that it's uh, described here, hold on. The, uh, uh, the werewolf pads towards her yellow eyes gleaming with cold lust. Stella Randolph backs slowly towards her narrow virgin's bed until the back of her pudgy knees strike the frame 
and she collapses upon it. Moonlight parts the beast's shaggy fur with silvery streaks. Like, all of this stuff is, like, it comes across, like, a sex scene in, uh, you know, romance novel or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's aggressive, of course, but this is that is how those novels are written, where it's, like, you know, women are being, uh, you know, taken by the, the fiery passions of lust and shit. And she, you know... Uh, the the moonlight comes and strikes the fur and uh, you know so on and so on. Um, the wolf puts its paws on the bed on either side of her. She can smell its breath, hot, but somehow not unpleasant. Its yellow eyes stare into her. Lover, she whispers and closes her eyes. It falls upon her. Love, <clears throat> excuse me. Love <laughs> is Damn. like dying. Yeah. Love is like dying. Let's <laughs> let's be very clear about that. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, I mean that that, that whole thing like it's so right. stylized. It's like if if a wolf is about to rip your throat out, you're not going to go lover. You're going to be <laughs> yeah, like, right. huh? Let's see right. that lipstick, big boy." Yeah. It's not going to yeah. happen. Not going to happen. Um just I that there are a few uh few chapters in here a few months where i'm like man that is like especially well done and yeah i think i think february is one of those chapters i I'm agree like, it's only like three pages long and it fucking says so much and tells such a story in like no time at all love it's it. true it's absolutely true yeah the marty stuff is maybe kind of the weakest thing about this well, yeah, Marty doesn't even fucking show up in the story until like Til June July. or July. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marty shows up, I think, to complain about Fourth of July being canceled, right? Or is there something? Uh, oh no, Brady. He shows up in the Brady. He does show up in the Brady thing. Um, I think there might be like some instance of like maybe when uh, they talk about like uh, I think it's in March when. Hey, the, there's a drifter that's killed. That's what I have on the And screen. everybody in town hears, like, it doesn't, yes. it's not explicitly said what they hear. It could be a scream. It could be a howl. Um, but, like, different people, people all over town hear this this noise, and they can't tell where it's coming from exactly, but they, yeah. they all hear it, you know? Right. Also, I had forgotten is, like, represented in the movie. You're right. It, when Arnie is killed, the first kill, it's like, it, it's funny too, because like, it's like a montage of people like hearing it and like kind of looking up, right up into the distance. Yep. And one of them, you know, that scene plays out at night and one of the people they show is getting a haircut. He's getting yes. a night cut. Night cut. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was like, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's in the movie. <laughs> I know this. Uh, having seen the movie, I don't know, 50 times at this point, yeah. uh, and then going back and reading this, I'm like, oh, that's that's cool how they incorporated like certain things into the yeah. story. Yeah. It's like weirdly, it, again, we're going to talk about the movie like, in, an, in another episode, but it's weirdly artfully done in spots. Yeah. Like, how about, how about that fucking cut again, like after... <laughs> Arnie gets his, you know, they're like, yeah, right? And the narration is like, they think the train cut his head off, and like, you see the train roll. Yeah. 
into frame and then it just like smash cuts to someone stepping on a bug. Yep. Great. It's it's great. It's great. <laughs> it's I a know. great movie. Anyway, so that's yeah, spoiler, Friday. Spoilers for the uh, Silver Bullet, the movie. A bug, uh, a bug one, gets One squished. of my all-time fucking favorite uh, Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. So March is the... March is Drifter Month? March is Drifter Month. So there's... Uh, <laughs> March is Drifter Month here on King Me. <laughs> Drifters uh, get the... Uh, uh, the the drifter discount in the month of March. So, you know, use promo code um, vagabond. Co- uh, sometimes Bindle. readers <laughs> to get, get that drifter discount. <laughs> um. So I actually this is one of my favorite illustrations. Also, uh huh. Um, just because of how extremely different it is from yeah, you know the rest. And there, there's like a notable lack of wolf in the shot. There is, right? There's still, um, still some blood, though. Certainly some blood. Yeah. Um, well, that's what's so cool about it. Is you see it, and it's like he's the guy's like sort of like in a no, don't hurt me pose. He's like got his hands up. Yeah. But his throat is clearly already ripped out. Right. So I'm left thinking over here. Hold on. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, as the reader, am thinking, what? And yeah, so come to find out what we're seeing a depiction of is like, after this man is attacked and has his throat ripped out, he freezes in that pose. Yes. Due to that the is, cold weather. I mean, quite literally chilling. Um, <laughs> bones, bones will be chilled. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't know. The... I could talk all day about this artwork. The uh, the way that the artwork captures, like I said, like we like I said with the the sheriff before, the way that it captures just like you know a second of something, right? Mm. Like this, the guy is frozen in place because he's been you know killed in the dead of winter, which is something all on its own, but. The 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 right before you know the month before when uh, the the werewolf has her hair tangled between its claws and all that shit, it's like this this image lasts a second and then it's just violence. It's yep. just viscera, you know. Love it. Um. So the the drifter dies, um, and that you know drifter month month of march well drifter month we are also introduced to the world's shittiest guy oh yes this is when we meet what's his name again milt Uh, milton milt sturmfuller Sturmfuller. um this guy sucks he sucks shit he's he's a real steven crowder in terms of (laughs) in terms of how he handles his marriage holy Um, shit I, yeah. By the way, for a second, yeah. Holy congratulations fuck. to Mrs. Crowder for getting out of just what sounded like an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Oh, Who would have thought that an absolute piece of shit would have been a bad husband as well? <laughs> a piece of shit who publicly talked about how bad of a husband he was. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. We don't have to get into it, but I do want to say it's very funny in his his like post-divorce video where he makes it a, a public assertion that his kids are not in any way responsible for the divorce <laughs> that he's also like 
He's like, this is not how I wanted my marriage to go, but, you know, in the state of Texas, I guess it's still legal for for, (laughs) for a woman to divorce her husband. I don't think that, yeah, divorce is right, but uh, the laws uh, don't care what I say. (laughs) It's fucking crazy, dude. (laughs) It's crazy. Oh, boy. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so Milt's, he's uh, like that. uh, Um, I'm sorry, just real quick, the other thing about Stephen, the... Crowder thing is that uh, when she was pregnant, in that yeah, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> uh, he got Jesus. an elective surgery to have like his chest expanded. Yep. Um, which, I mean, he it's a gender affirming surgery is what sure. he had. <laughs> That's exactly what he had, and like he the timing of like a man. <laughs> right, he has like the the concave chest thing. Right. And yeah, so the timing of it, it's so obviously like, I don't want to be responsible for anything, but it's also just like the, it's so clear that his manhood felt under attack by the fact that his wife was about to give birth, yes. you know, like he just like, he needed to reaffirm himself. Right. As the alpha of yeah. the family. So I'm about to become less important and I can't, I can't stand for that. Right. I thought you were going to bring up the thing where when his wife was eight months pregnant, he made her um, give their dog its medication, which is, which was toxic to pregnant women. Yeah. He's, he's because uh, those were her wifely duties. Yes. In her work in his words. Uh, you know the like time honored tradition of the wife giving the dog its medication. <laughs> Fucking loser! What a yeah. piece of shit! Uh, what a piece of shit! And yeah, uh, yeah. may anyway. may he suffer. May he suffer. Oh, please. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Milt, you know, he like kind of a a weird week for all uh, right wing pundits, huh? Tucker Carlson fired. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> good stuff it's good anyway. stuff um yeah just uh on yeah milt i think the milt. line that best encapsulates his whole fucking deal is when his wife like uh bumps her shin on a stool and she mm-hmm. like yelps or whatever the line is um here we go she cries out in the dark her husband laughs heartily he finds his wife's pain more amusing than anything except maybe the jokes they have in reader's digest those jokes, yeah. humor and uniform, life in these United States, really tickle his funny bone. <laughs> so I just love the added, like, this guy, he's not only cruel, he's also just, like, a fucking lame ass. Like, he has terrible taste. Totally. <laughs> you know. But that does seem to be how it goes, you know, as we're talking about right-wing freaks. Like, they're, oh, they're, yeah. their tastes... Their aesthetic choices are always confounding. They confound yeah. the mind. Shockingly, uh, they're also extremely lame in their personal <laughs> life. Lame, <laughs> dumb, uncurious people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who would have thought that they're also fucking zeros at home? <laughs> oh, as if they are compensating for something? Who can say? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just a theory I'm kicking around. So, yeah. Uh, Drifter uh, was coated with ice, head cocked back in a silent scream. 
Ragged old coat and shirt beneath chewed open, the drifter sat in a frozen pool of his own blood, staring at the downed lines, his hands still held up in a warding-off gesture, with ice between the fingers. Oh, good stuff. Good fucking stuff. I, you know, this is the kind of, like, we, we, we've read, uh, you know, two full Stephen King novels on this podcast, right? Which I, I've enjoyed both of them. Um, but this, this is kind of the level of detail that yeah. I really appreciate where it's like, it's enough to be, uh, descriptive and, but also leave things open and ambiguous. We don't get the drifters entire fucking backstory right. and why, he, how he ended up in those woods on that mountain that night or anything, yep. you know? Yep. Just a guy passing through and his body was found completely frozen and opened up. Yep. And it's like, right, extraneous details in this case too would be like, what's the shirt look like that got ripped right. open? Doesn't matter. It's Doesn't not matter. that's not what's effective about the situation. So yeah. Right. And really it's like Yeah, I do kind of like again, reading The Outsider, I kind of miss this era of King where he had more like literary aspirations and was just willing yes. to sort of just let her rip with his, his descriptive language. But uh, here's the thing. Even if he had no descriptive language, that would be fine because Bernie Wrightson mm-hmm. is, is, is really just, I mean, I have the April illustration pulled up the black and white that opens up that section. Kites. Yeah. Gorgeous. Like uh, to describe it, you know, it's like a landscape of, of Maine, you see like uh, in the, the the a narrow strip across the bottom, just like a run of land, and then what looks like um, the like a narrow band of sky, and then most of the frame is just clouds, just big billowy clouds and kites cutting through, mm-hmm. and it's just so nice. It's like I don't know, I can't. It, it's all. All but including um, that, like, face that, you know, like in old, like, medieval drawings of wind, it would be like a guy just right. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right, a big face with its cheeks, a big, big Dizzy Gillespie. A dizzy there. Gillespie, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great show, <laughs> period. I was going to say great this? show for yeah. 80 year olds, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we, I, I think we need to um, look inward, considering how much time we spend, um, sort of just like scolding contemporary pop culture, mm-hmm. and then we're also like, it's like Dizzy Gillespie and medieval <laughs> and medieval drawings. <laughs> it's true. I was listening to a podcast yesterday. They were talking about. Um, the new Evil Dead movie, right? Yeah. And the guests that they had on uh, didn't like it, didn't like anything about it. It was just like really down on it, which it, the whole reason was basically that it wasn't a movie from the 70s or 80s. Okay. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people. And to a certain extent, we're part of that group <laughs> that is like, uh, things were better when medieval drawings just drew Dizzy Gillespie. <laughs> <laughs> well, <no. laughs> 
Yeah. Um, the 1400s were a better time. <laughs> it was a better time for everyone. It was a better time. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that, that would be the, the fucking move is all of the, you know, make America great people. They're like, we need to bring it back to like oh, 1950s take it all the way back. values. And you're like, we need to bring it back to like 1300s value. <laughs> I mean, there is definitely like within that block, a contingent who's like now ancient Rome. That's the move. <laughs> That's true. That's right. The like the Twitter <laughs> yeah. guys with like the white statues in their profiles. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, their profile pictures. I mean, which is yeah, just funny because it's like, uh, you know, uh, famously still still around. happening. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I made a little noise because uh, Rob's funny cat peeked its head over the top of the webcam. That's right. Over the That's top of my my laptop here. She's just poking her little stupid face in there. <laughs> so then April, famously a windy time. <laughs> yep. Per Bernie writes in. Um, so we Perfect get some kite. Flying a kite. We get some, some kite flying. Brady Kincaid. The little some bitch. That little some bitch. I was struck by how much of a some bitch he was watching the movie this time. I was like, wow. I know. No he's great loss. <laughs> yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> In the book, he's not as big of a piece of shit. Yeah, he doesn't um, really do anything he's wrong. He's just like, yeah, he's just an 11-year-old kid who like got a really nice kite and wanted to fly it. <laughs> That's his only crime. Yeah, I just wanted to fly my damn kite. My vulture kite. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. The, uh, yeah, the, the, I do like the description of like, uh, you know, he got, basically the kid gets lost in flying the kite, like loses track of time. Um, there are other people that were there. And one by one, they start like falling off and leaving and going home until the point where he's there by himself. Um, and he didn't, you know, he realizes it just a little too late. And he starts freaking himself out, thinking about like the other people who have died in the town and it's night and all this stuff. So he's like, he's winding up his uh, kite as fast as possible. The kite itself has like fallen and is like, I think it's by gazebo or something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he goes over there, and as he's winding up the the string on the kite, the string starts like tugging, like a like a fishing line. Yeah, which I, that just that That's alone great. is fucking great. <laughs> and uh, Brady turns to run, uh, and dry arms suddenly encircle him. He can smell something like blood and cinnamon, and he is found the next day, propped against the war memorial, headless and it disemboweled. The vulture kite in his stiffened hand. The kite flutters uh, as if trying for the sky as the search party turn away horrified and sick. The fluttering, be, uh, be, the f it flutters because the breeze has already come up. It flutters as if it knows this will be a good day for kites. That's... That's, that's good shit. That's good, that's good stuff. It's really good. There is, yeah, there's so much 
about this. So first of all, I think dry arms is like the weirdest. <laughs> I know detail. It's like dry arms. But anyway, I think like I think that what comes right after that, right? Like he can smell something like blood and cinnamon, and he is found the next day, propped against the war memorial, headless and disemboweled. Like that is so freaking good that is such good writing to me to just like put you in yeah almost put you in the brady's spot where it's like you smell blood and cinnamon and that's it you are just (laughs) suddenly you are headless and disemboweled right i i i i I love the the last paragraph about the kite fluttering as if it knows that it's going to be a good day for wind as if like the kite itself is like a sentient being, yeah, and like asking Brady to play, not knowing that Brady will never fly a kite again. You know, I like that read. I my I I took it as more like a cold, uncaring universe sort of thing, where it's like, you know, we're just like sort of moving through a uh, a swirling maelstrom sure. of of different motivations and wants, and it's like. Brady's Brady's desire to fly his kite happens to intersect with a very hungry wolf man. <laughs> right. right. And then like that moment passes and like now he's just dead and there's a, you know, kite's going to fly. Kite's still Kite, got to right. fly on a windy day. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I agree with that read also. I just like, I like the idea of the kite being like a little kid, like wanting to play. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. That, and that last uh, illustration of just like the kite handle mm-hmm. just sort of sitting on the grass like that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I, the kite also like the way that's written is like very much juxtaposed with like the search party turning away horrified and sick. Too. Right. It's just it's good. It's good writing. It's, it's good. It's, really it's weird how when you put constraints on somebody, they seem to do their best work. It's weird how when you don't just let them follow every whim, suddenly you know, only the best material seems to make the cut. I honestly, this is like this is something that I think about a lot because there are so, there are so many. Uh, I think about it with film, but any art form really. Like you think about John Carpenter, and like Carpenter's best work was like really in the eighties. Uh, he just had like an unbeatable run of films, right? Yeah. And they were mostly films that at the time didn't do well. And, you know, they, it was, it wasn't until later when people like, you know, whatever, uh, appreciated them. Um, but then like once people appreciated them, he got bigger budgets. And then once he had bigger budgets, they, the movies never, never captured that same sort of like hunger and spark and like joy. So I, and same thing with like Joe Dante as well. Like J- Dante, like we small soldiers came out in like, uh, 98 ish. I think. Yeah. Which is, I mean, we talked about it on the show and it, we like it a lot, but even after that, he's made a bunch of movies that are like just whatever, you know? And I think it, it has to have something to do with like, I, I don't know. I think constraints and boxing yourself in and being forced to deal with like a smaller budget, get creative with like locations and, you know, okay, this has to be, uh, we don't have money for this. So it all has to be in the performance or mm-hmm. whatever. Like 
this shit with the the book. Okay, each one of these illustrations, you know, goes along with the chapter, and they had they're like very much in sync. But where this is based on a calendar, so we have to keep every chapter as tight as possible. This is yeah. not going to be a seven hundred page, you know deep dive into the town of uh, Tarker's Mills, right? Like, we don't learn everything about all of these townies. It's not Salem's Lot, the the werewolf version. It's <laughs> something else, you know? It, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, the constraints, I think, uh, can really help uh, an artist. I agree. To, uh, yeah. It's, just get creative. The Dante and Carpenter examples are both interesting because, like, their peak also seems to coincide with them, like, losing their cachet. Yeah. You know? Or, right. sorry, um, they're, what I mean is, like, yeah, them cresting their peak. Once they've mm-hmm. crested their peak, they are also, like, precipitously having a harder time getting stuff made, it seems like. Carpenter especially. Carpenter especially. But even, like, I don't know. Uh, at a certain point in the nineties, it felt like Car- Carpenter was like, uh, you know, he was making movies. He made like the village of the damned, which didn't do well. Right. He made the memoirs of the invisible man that didn't do well. Like James all Wood's of these vampires. Things. Right. All of this other stuff. And you're like, uh, they're clearly on, uh, like bigger budgets in the eighties, like Prince of darkness, which is like, it might be considered one of his weaker '80s movies. I, I think it's great. Uh, yeah, doesn't really have any uh, stars in it at all. It's just this like contained story about like a monster or like you know the devil, the antichrist, whatever. And it's great. It's like fucking, and it's in like one location, and it's perfect. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I. I don't really know what I'm it, even trying it, to say. I just think like it, that stands in contrast to King who um, it, maybe he doesn't have the same cultural relevance that he used to have, like, mm-hmm. but he definitely still has the same esteem. Like he's sure. still capital S capital K Stephen King. Whereas like John Carpenter. And I think probably it seems like Joe Dante to an extent where kind of just like, fuck it. Like in, in John Carpenter's case, it was like, I'm just going to play video games with Cody. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Joe Dante is like, right? He has like a podcast now. He does. Yeah. So it's like, those both seem like guys who sort of like, I mean, obviously like their legacies are kind of, I think, untouchable now. Like they're both pretty sure. locked in as like, guys that are beloved by film people but like right. as in as far as like working within that industry goes it feels like it, it it's very thankless to be the guy who operates on the shoestring budget of course you know of <laughs> like course. weirdly thankless even though you're kind of just like doing exactly what's asked of you it's it's very interesting yeah no you're right it is i mean uh halloween the movie is one of, you know, it's a beloved film, right? It's people talk about, still talk about all of these influences and all of these, right. And Mm -hmm. it was made on like a shoestring budget. They had to paint leaves to make it look like fall, like all of this stuff. Right. And then when he gets a a bigger budget, 
you know, to do like the thing, it doesn't do well. So he gets knocked back down. Yep. It makes sense why he's like, I want more money and I want freedom to do whatever I want. And then when he gets the freedom to do whatever he wants, he comes out with like Ghosts of Mars. And you're like, uh, yeah, I get it. But yeah. also maybe if you had a tighter budget and maybe, you know, yeah, put a little bit more time into this, it could have been better. Yeah, it's interesting. And I do think that is like a good parallel for anybody like probably King too. I'm trying to, but like the shift from you've proven you can operate on this tiny budget to we're going to give you more money. What do you want to do? And the first idea is always like, I've always wanted to do the thing or whatever. Like I've had this idea forever and I just haven't had the money to execute on my vision that one seems to generally go well like granted the thing right right, the thing did not perform well but it is one of the best horror movies to ever come out of hollywood sure yes um but then it that does seem like diminishing returns because then it's just like well great you did it here's the same amount of money um what do you want to do now and then i feel like it's more like i don't know (laughs) Well, it's yeah. less there's less conviction it's less likely that it's an idea that somebody's been marinating for 10 years or whatever right you know yes it's, so, it's that thing about like a band a band's first album they've had you know 10 years right. to work on the songs and then they have to make a second album in over the course of like a year or two yep and you're like it's not the the, the sophomore slump you know yes oh sirens Yep. Um, well, uh, hey, before we get into May, because yeah. uh, what, what do you say we take a little break? I'll freshen up my coffee. Maybe All go right. to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll be Let's do that. right back. <laughs> 